So way back in 1997, I quit my job that I'd had for 14 years, sold my house in the suburbs of Atlanta, packed my wife, four young children up, moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota to go to missionary school. It was an adventure and um, it's quite an experience. I'll tell you the end of the story in just a minute. So, after completing our two-year special missions education, uh, I, I took a lot of New Testament courses and church planning courses, cross-cultural ministry courses. And... Um, we had finished our program and we were trying to figure out what to do next and were invited by uh, Bethany Missions to become missionaries with their organization, which seemed like a normal, natural thing for us to do. I assumed that since I had gone to missionary school, I was going to be a missionary and that was fine with me. Wasn't exactly sure where. and um, But one of the things that I had always felt drawn to, and especially while we were there and, and going to school, was Western Europe. Uh, I really felt that I was uh, being led to go into church planting in post-Christian culture, and Western Europe uh, in the late 90s was certainly that. And so the opportunity came uh, for us to go, or for me to go, on a survey trip uh, to a, a, a school for pastors that was in central France. And I thought, well, that would be, that would be interesting. I, I had no idea how we were supposed to do that. Again, I was unemployed. I'd been unemployed now for almost three years, uh, living off the residual uh, income that we got from the sale of the house and uh, a little bit of support that we had garnered along the way. And um, miraculously, as we were praying about it and considering, you know, how do we, how do I get to, to France to, to see this school? Uh, some very old friends of ours, some folks we had gone to church with years before, sold their house and, uh, and they took uh, part of their profits and they sent us a check in the mail. And completely out of the blue, without warning, right when I really needed the money, uh, a $2,000 check showed up in my mailbox. And I said, well, there's the answer to that prayer. And I was able to begin a plan to go to France to see the school, to meet the people there, to meet the directors, and see if it was a good fit. You know, was this, is this where I'm supposed to go? And uh, so I bought the tickets, got the hotel room, train tickets, and all this stuff, and, and flew into Paris. I'd never been into Europe before, my very first trip. And uh, I always said, as a really sad, because I had a day in Paris, I, the way the, the flight worked, I got there early, early in the morning Paris time, and, you know, late in the evening America time, central time. And uh, so I was, uh, you know, I was tired, but I couldn't check into the hotel. I had a hotel in Paris, this little old hotel, uh, not far from the Louvre, and, uh, but they... The guy was nice enough to let me stash my bag there. I just had to spend, you know, a day wandering around Paris before I could check into the hotel and try to get some sleep. 
and and I should have done that. That should have worked out to get my jet lag, you know, kicked over to get my my body rhythm kicked over. But uh, but it didn't go didn't go quite as planned. I, I did wander through the Louvre and all over Paris and saw some amazing things. And then I went and finally checked into the hotel and immediately fell asleep, which in the afternoon was exactly the wrong thing to do. And then I woke up that evening um, and then went out and explored Paris some more and then, you know, got on the train the next day, made it down to Le Puy and uh, where I met the director of the school. And, um, you know, again, the, the whole idea was to see, is this a good fit for him? Is it a good fit for me? Is this where God wants my family to go? Is this my future to go be a part of this school, to be an instructor and whatever else they need uh, at this this outpost in central France. And um, it took about 24 hours for me to know that that was uh, not where I was supposed to go. Not that the, the folks there were bad people, uh, but we did not click, just didn't click. And uh, I realized pretty quickly that uh, me spending you know, the rest of my life for the next decade or so trying to deal with um, difficult personalities uh, was not going to be it. And, and, you know, and to be fair, you know, I'm, I'm this green guy. I mean, I was in my thirties, but, you know, I had just finished my, my education. I was probably just educated enough to be dangerous. I had some ministry experience, but not much and uh, I did have business management experience. I was good at that. But, you know, it just wasn't the right place. It was not the right time. It wasn't the right fit. And um, so, and, and the other thing that I was dealing with was this jet lag. I could not flip over. And so I was just wiped out because I, I literally don't think I, I slept hardly at all. I, I would end up having to take a nap in the afternoon and they got so frustrated because I'd be asleep in the af- middle of the day. You got to stay up. You got to stay up. And I was like, I can't sleep at night. I'm up all night long because my body just didn't flip over. And uh, I deal with insomnia anyway, but this was uh, particularly brutal. And to top it all off, my uh, acid reflux had kicked up in a major way. So I was suffering. I was suffering physically. I was suffering mentally and emotionally. And uh, I was just, I was just tired. And, you know, I was done. And so finally the day came, I jumped back on the train, went back up to Paris, uh, got a room in this, this tiny little micro hotel. I mean, it was just barely big enough for a single bed and a, you know, eight inch screen TV. Um, and, uh, that's where I spent the night so I could get up the next morning, catch the plane and get out of there. And that's what I desperately wanted to do. By this time I'd been away from my family for a week. I was just wiped out. All I wanted to do was get home and I was about to find out that that was going to be a bit more challenging than, uh, than I was expecting. So stick around. I'll share the rest. Just a minute. So I'm in Paris trying to get home. I'm get up in the morning, get to the airport, get through customs, get to the gate, get to the plane, get in my seat, 
I'm sitting next to a salesman from Alabama, and we're sitting right on the wing. So, I, and I'm in the middle seat. You know, it's a, it's a big plane. So, but I'm in the middle of three, um, and we get in, we buckle up, we go through the pre-flight banter from the pilot, and we sit there. And we sit there. And we sit there. Now, meanwhile, me and the guy from Alabama are talking because this is odd. I've flown a lot. I've been on a lot of airplanes and I've gone on a lot of trips. And I'd never seen what I was seeing because the the guys, the, the service crew, are out underneath the wing of the airplane doing something. And we sat there. And then the pilot came on. He goes, well, folks, we've had a little bit of a delay. We've missed our window for international flight. We're going to have to wait for the next one. It's about an hour away. Uh, please be patient. Now, this is, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, Paris time. So we wait an hour. Meanwhile... Me and the guy from Alabama are still watching this crew of guys frantically doing something under the wing of the airplane. And they don't serve us any drinks. They don't do anything. We just sit in an airplane. If you've ever been in an airplane that's just sitting on the ground, it's just got the APU, uh, you can blow a little air, but it's hot. And we're just stuck. Well, the hour comes and goes. We're ready to take off. And the pilot comes back on. Well, folks, we're uh, still having some difficulties here. Be patient. Uh, but we're going to have to wait for the next opportunity, the next international window. Uh, so hopefully we're out of here in about an hour. And we sat there. And by this time, me and the guy from Alabama looking out the window at the wing noticed the puddle on the ground and began to get clued in that this airplane might have a serious problem because uh, they're trying to fuel it. And apparently they're having trouble getting fuel into the airplane. For an international flight, that would be, you know, a tragic thing to run out of fuel somewhere, you know, between here and where you're trying to go. So so we sat there. And um, another hour went by. Another hour went by. Another hour went by. They did finally bring us peanuts and a Coke when they realized that we'd been sitting in this airplane for about five hours. Uh, but they wouldn't let us off the aircraft. We, we had to sit there. Finally... About the time that I should have been getting into Detroit, because that's where the flight was coming into, um, they led us off the plane in, in small groups to go use the phone so that we could call home and let people know that we were still in, still in Paris. And so I went and I called my wife. International you know, rates apply. And uh, said, you know, we're still on the ground. I'm in Paris. We haven't left yet. I know I'm supposed to be there, but but I'm not. So don't go to Minneapolis at whatever time to try to pick me up. I'm not going to be there. I'll call you when I get in America. 
And then they herded us back onto the plane where we sat for another four hours or so. I mean, I know that's hard to believe that, that they forced us to sit in this airplane for nearly 10 hours, but they did. As they're frantically trying to, as it turned out, wait for a part to come in so they can fix the fuel receptacle on the wing of the aircraft. It's awesome. It's starting to get dark outside. We've been on this plane all day, and then they come and decide, well, we're not going anywhere tonight. We've made arrangements. We'll be billeting you uh, in a local hotel. We'll try again tomorrow. So sorry, we'll buy your dinner, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and they finally let us off of the airplane after about 10 hours of sitting there and give us these little um, you know, vouchers, put us on the shuttle buses, take us to the various hotels. And I walked in, I think it was the Sheraton at Charles de Gaulle. It was a beautiful hotel. This is the nicest hotel I've ever stayed in in my life. And I would never have paid for such a hotel. Uh, but that's where they put us up. And, uh, and then I joined a, another group of fellow uh, passengers uh, in the dining room where they plied us with uh, hotel food and wine. I'm not much of a wine drinker, and at this point in time, I had not really had anything to drink for about three years. And, uh, and so, needless to say, when I finally got back to my room that night, I slept pretty well uh, for a few hours. But again, that jet lag kicked in, and I woke up about two or three hours before I had to catch the bus back to the airport to hopefully get on an airplane that worked to finally get home. And all I wanted to do was get home and eat a cheeseburger, see my wife and kids. And as I'm sitting there digging through my bag, I realize that I indeed was down to my last clean shirt. This was it. If I didn't get home today, I was wearing dirty clothes. And sitting in that hotel room that morning, I had this song just popped into my head. The, the lyrics are actually written down on the back of a postcard that was in the hotel room. And uh, it's not a complicated song, but it is a real memory for me of that incredibly frustrating experience. And the, the crazy thing is, is I was trying to process what is going on? What is happening? Well, we got into the airplane the next morning. They pushed us off right on time. And when the wheels went up on that airplane, it broke into a cheer and applause like I've never heard before. And then about eight hours later, we were coming in on final approach to Detroit, where we were coming into. And, um, and I will never forget, as I was flying along, I, I was just praying and I said, all right, God, what was that all about? What was that all about? Because I knew in my heart, as we were coming in on final approach, I was not going to Europe. And the Lord just said, this is where you're going to be. It's okay. And, um, and I said, what's, 
What was that? What was all that for? And as I've asked that question of God many times since then, the answer always comes back the same. It's, you'll see. You'll see. And so I got into Detroit, went to Burger King, got a Whopper, ate that, got the shuttle flight back over to Minneapolis, got home, and told the folks at the missions organization that we were headed back to Georgia. And uh, still trying to figure out what we were supposed to do and what that experience was all about. Fascinating enough, at this point, I find myself 20-odd years later with a whole lot better experience. I've pastored a few churches. I've served in a variety of functions and a variety of denominations at this point. I've done a lot of things. My education is much better than it was in 1999 when I was scoping out France. And I find myself uh, actively involved in a a small church plant uh, that is ministering to a post-Christian community. It just happens to be three minutes from my house and not on the other side of the Atlantic. So God didn't know what he was doing. I I understand it now. And uh, so I'd encourage you with that thought that as you're going through your life, as you walk through this world, Listen to God. Go where he tells you to go. Do those things that he tells you to do. And even if you don't understand the whys in the moment, if you trust him, you'll see. It really all works out. He really does have a plan, my friends. Well, I'm going to leave you with the song that I wrote in that hotel room a long, long time ago when I just needed to get home. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope it touches you a little bit. And uh, just remember, wherever you're at, God is with you. And fellow travelers, until we meet again, I pray that you know that and that you're blessed by our Father. So well.
appreciate you listening to the podcast and I, and I do hope that you will share this with your uh, friends uh, just send them the link um, for whatever um, outlet you're listening to me on there's four or five that I'm actually on now which is pretty cool um, if there's a place on your app to like this I'd appreciate it if there's a place to rate it that'd be great uh, if you have feedback for me uh, if you know me just send me a text. Uh, if you don't know me, you can go to theeclecticmonk.com and you'll find in the contact, there's an email. I would love to have your email address. I would love to get to know you. I would love to share um, my adventure with you. And so again, I, I appreciate you, uh, fellow travelers, all nine of you. If you are one of the nine, hold up your hand and uh, know that you are sincerely appreciated and loved. Till we meet again, have a great day and God bless you.